Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Market View on Money FM 89.3. A very good morning. It's me, Danko, with you on Market View. Now, let's quickly get you up to speed with what's happening in the markets. And Asia-Pacific stocks are trading higher this morning with Japan leading the way up by 0.99%. Korea is up by 0.46%. And Australia is closed for the Christmas holiday. Now, last Friday on Wall Street, we're seeing some optimism all across the markets as all three major indexes closed slightly higher just before the Christmas weekend. During the regular session, the Dow Jones Industrial Average closed 05 percent higher to end of the week at 33,204 points. The S&P 500 rose 0.6% to finish off at 3,844 points. And the Nasdaq Composite added 0.2% to close off at 10,498 points. Now we're finally on to the final trading days of this year and many investors will be deliberating whether a Santa Claus rally will appear and lift the market that has been weighed down by recession fears. Friday marked officially the start of the time period for a Santa Claus rally, which is typically considered the final five-day trading stretch in the current year, as well as the first two trading days in the new year. Markets were closed yesterday for the Christmas holiday and just for this week, investors will be expecting low trading volumes, either a relatively of further volatility during the holiday-shortened week. And markets will also be closing out a month and a year defined by a surge in recession fears. Heading into the final trading week of 2022, stocks are also on pace to close out their worst year since 2008. And here's just an overview of where they stand. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down about 8.63% year-to-date, and that's on pace to break their three-year win streak with its worst yearly performance since 2008, when it fell 33%. The S&P 500 is down 19.33% year-to-date, and also on pace to break a three-year win streak with its worst yearly performance since 2008. And we're also seeing a similar picture with the Nasdaq Composite, which is down about 32.9% year-to-date, also on pace to break their three-year win streak. And for today, though, investors will be keeping a watch out for the latest data on November wholesale inventories and the October S&P Case-Shiller home prices that is set to release later in the evening before the bell. Thank you so much for that, Dan. Glad to have you back in the studio with us. How are you doing? Doing very well and uh, suddenly experiencing some of the holiday blues, as we call it. Yep, unfortunately, I've got a question for you that (laughs) will not help your holiday blues, but we need answers too. One of the biggest news making headlines this morning is the end of China's quarantine for inbound travellers. This was the country on track to emerge from three years of self-imposed global isolation under a COVID-0 policy. Dan, please give us the details. Yes, certainly some good news we're seeing here to start off the week and also to end off the year. You know, according to a statement from the National Health Commission, as of January 8th, Next year, people arriving in China will no longer need to be quarantined, although they will still be required to obtain a negative COVID test results within 48 hours of departure. And that compares with the current requirement of eight days isolation, five days at a designated quarantine hotel or central facility, and followed by three days at home. The country also downgraded the management of COVID from the highest level to the second highest, effectively removing the legal justification for an aggressive COVID-0 restriction. But still, the the National Health Commission said that it will continue to monitor the virus's spread and vowed to take appropriate measures to suppress the peak of COVID outbreaks. Now, if you look at it since late November, officials have been rapidly dismantling many of the harshest pandemic measures 
especially when many citizens expressed discontent and they sparked protests in cities across the country. So what we're seeing here is authorities, you know, listening to what they're hearing from the ground and trying to take a step towards reopening the economy and to perhaps, you know, step away from the COVID-0 policy that mm. they have always been stuck onto for the past three years. And the speed of change has left many health experts puzzled and residents scrambling to adjust to the new ways of life. You know, that's as we are seeing new infections exploding and that that's made the border curbs that's put in place to keep the virus out of China increasingly irrelevant. So the Health Commission also said that China will enhance the treatment of severe patients by boosting the supply of life-saving medical devices. You know, we're talking about ventilators, especially the capacity of intensive care units. It will also likely repurpose quarantine facilities into hospitals for treating COVID patients. And I believe this is something that we've also seen, you know, back in Singapore when we were slowly reopening our borders and we're seeing a lot of waves going up and down and you know, hospitals struggling to find facilities and spaces for people to quarantine. So this is certainly nothing new, but I think we will have to wait and see how things pan out for them. So mm. still good news here. Now, Ryan, I'm actually curious to know, what does this latest move by China mean for its economy as well as the rest of the world? And would you want to travel to China then? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, with restrictions easing up, it does present the opportunity to travel to mm. China finally, but... It's not on my to-do list right now. <laughs> I'm thinking of going elsewhere before the Chinese tourists get there. Right. So that's, that's a good call. Be, um, something I'm looking forward to next year. In terms of the impact on the economy, let's take a look at the data that is coming through. And bear in mind, this is um, very tough to put your finger on what's playing out in China because of the data that's available. So you have to look at other kinds of data like high-frequency indicators where we have, for example... Things like retail sales and it looks like Beijing is still suffering from a dip in consumer spending. So mm. 18% down in November as we saw cases and pick up and restrictions ease. So alluding to the point you made earlier how case numbers will likely pick up even more as restrictions start to get lifted. And if you look at where we are for home and car sales, both of them fell in the first weeks of December, and that is going to see implications likely for industrial output as well as factories having to just cut back. And that, of course, will mean down the road activity for the economy will start to slow down. And of course, we've been hearing how workers have been starting to report sick and mm. up for work. So, we've got all these disruptions in the near term headwinds that the economy in China will have to grapple with. Right. If you look at the activity on the roads, if you look at the subway transport levels, they are 70% below where they are two years ago. So in terms of people going out and about, that is still down. So when you look at retail spending, people going to the shopping malls, spending on the streets, and that is going to see things under pressure for the near term until we get back to those pre-COVID-19, so to speak, levels mm. where you have the usual uh, street traffic. And mm. if you look at traffic congestion, it's only 30% of the levels seen last year in January. So that is also a reflection of how much activity is happening in China. So you need to get back to pre-COVID-19 levels before we can get the economy back to where it was. Mm. And if you look at stock markets, um, they are also going back to levels where they were sometime in November 11th when the 
authorities in China started to talk about relaxing curbs. So there was an initial euphoria when people started pricing, hey, the restrictions being eased is going to be good news for the economy. But then now with the reality of what that means in the near term, the people uh, and employees getting sick, it could be some times before we get back to where China was. Mm, certainly spelling a lot of trouble in China for near-term headwinds because we're seeing, you know, from the likes of people, you know, reporting sick and from the previous lockdowns and I think from the re- this reopening, right, a lot of companies will also struggle with the number of people getting caught by COVID as well. Now, Ryan, do you think that 2023 might be the year for them to be able to perhaps, you know, move into an endemic world where they have COVID under control or what are the odds of them actually moving back to a COVID zero policy? Okay, so it looks like by most measures, they are starting to move towards what the rest of the world is doing, which is to live with COVID-19. And it does appear to be the message that many of the officials are now on board with. And if you look at how things are playing out, it's very hard to go back to COVID-0 again because Mm. it will just mean another round of chaos. And I think that's what China would not want. So I think 2023, we could see China reopening. And I hope um, sooner rather than later, we will see things back to normal for China because we've talked about how we are seeing increasing risks of a recession next Mm. year. So if China comes back into play earlier, we could have, I guess, in some fashion, not as hard a lending for the global economy as we see many central banks start to tighten their policies. The year of easy or the era of easy money is already over. So we could see China helping to offset some of that pressure. Mm. Yeah, I do think this move is quite historic because the whole world has moved on. Now China is moving on. I know we bang on this drum about moving on from the pandemic, but it almost seems symbolic that now that China is out of it or Mm. moving away from it, it's time to put it behind us almost. Anyway, it's a story that we will be developing and continuing to keep tabs on Money FM 89.3. Now, if you're just joining us, Market View, Danco and Ryan Huang with me on the show. Speaking of reopening, Hong Kong also intends to start reopening its borders with China before mid-January, aiming at a returning to pre-COVID cross-border travel arrangements. Dan, tell us more about what's going on here. Yes, that's right. Over the weekends, City Chief Executive John Lee said that Hong Kong will reopen its borders with China by mid-January as Beijing accelerates the unwinding of stringent COVID-19 rules that has been battling the economic growth. And after his visit from Beijing, Lee said that the borders will open in a quote-unquote fully in a gradual and orderly way. He added that the goal is to quickly come into consensus with the, with the central government, submit their plan to the central government for review and execute on the plan before mid-January. The Hong Kong authorities will also work with the governments of neighbouring Shenzhen City and Guangdong province to manage the flow of people that's crossing the borders. Preparations for reopening are underway and that includes deploying thousands of officers from the city's customs, immigration and police services. The border between Hong Kong and mainland China have been so far effectively shut for almost three years and currently visitors from Hong Kong are limited by a daily quota while they also have to undergo five days of hotel quarantine and mainland visitors will also have to quarantine on their return. Well, even after all these news, Lee didn't share much details about the quarantine policy after the borders reopened and only said that he hopes to return to arrangements before the pandemic. So certainly some good news we're also seeing in Hong Kong for cross-border travel between China and 
Hong Kong. So this begs the question though, Ryan, will Hong Kong be able to handle the COVID wave after its border reopening? I mean, we're seen from the likes of China experiencing huge and explosive mm. waves of COVID. Yeah, definitely they will be trying to calibrate their policies to avoid what China went through. And this is going to be potentially a big headache if they do see the same level of COVID-19 cases pick up. So if you look at the potential boost of Hong Kong's economy, we could see, according to Goldman Sachs, a 7.6% boost to Hong Kong's GDP from China's reopening. So Mm -hmm. it is going to be favorable for the economy to see the activity and the borders open up. So that's something they would want, but at the same time, doing so too fast by too much is going to have implications like what we saw in China, people falling sick and then eventually being disrupted when it comes to businesses. So on that front, we have in Hong Kong, a lot of medical experts coming forth to say what Hong Kong needs to do is to ensure enough supply of fever fever medication and COVID-19 jabs. Mm. And we've seen in the headlines how there has been quite a lot of people around the world buying up Panadol and all the medications, sending it back to China. So that's a situation I think Hong Kong has been watching and wants to avoid as well the supply of medicine and of course people panicking. Mm. So that's something they will be trying to calibrate. So in line with that, I would expect some level of quota in place to make sure the borders are fully managed to just deal with what could be waves of people trying to get back into Hong Kong or going out of Hong Kong. So in that sense, um, some measured transition for mm. Hong Kong to reopen its borders. Right. Yeah, certainly I, th- I think that we pay quite a bit of attention to the headwinds, mm. but we fail to also look forward to the future and, and what possible benefits that we may have and experience from this reopening of Hong Kong as well. So it's good to remember that, you know, as much as we may face all these headwinds in near term, there are a lot more to expect from further horizon as well. Yep, certainly. Thank you so much for that, Dan and Ryan. Now, back at home, we are currently about 21 minutes into the local trading day. And last week, the Straits Times Index closed lower by 0.36% to end at 3,257 points. Dan, how is the STI performing today? Mm, that's right. And yes, it's like what you've mentioned, the SEI closed off last week slightly down. But now we're seeing like a similar picture painting throughout the local trading markets mm. with STIs trading up by 0.34% and currently at 3,268 points. Thank you so much for that, Dan. Now we're going to play a game of up or down. And if you're a regular listener on this show, you'll be familiar with this game. I'll be picking a stock or a topic. Dan and Ryan will be guessing whether it's an up or down. Listeners, feel free to take part as well. Dan, Ryan, are you ready? Let's go. All right, let's start with number one, EC World Real Estate Investment Trust. EC World Read. I'm going to go with an up for this one because the following the delay of the planned divestment of the REITs assets, EC World REIT said that it is in discussion with creditors over a debt repayment plan. So now they will see the plans, see the REITs sponsor finance part of a mandatory repayment that's due by the end of this year. So certainly, you know, at least we're seeing a good closure by the end of this year. And I'm going to go with an up for this one. Yeah, pretty much the same story for me. Uh, it is beneficial for EC World REIT unit holders to see this progress. So on that front, it's going to be good news. Okay, that's two ups to get us started. We only have two today. So the second and final one, Semcorp Marine. Dan? Sam Corp Marine. This is going to be an up for me as well because they are working on convening an 
EGM on its proposed merger with Keppel Offshore and Marine that's as soon as possible. And the EGM is expected to take place by January of next year. So the proposed merger of the two offshore and marine player giants was first announced earlier this year in April with plans to carry out a separate schemes of arrangement that will result in Keppel O&M and Sam Marine becoming a wholly own subsidiaries of the combined entity. So I'm going to go in up with this one. Yeah, also just another indicator of progress on that front. It's been talked about for quite some time, the Keppel O&M and Samcorp Marine mm. merger. Uh, actually back in April, we've been hearing how they've been trying to get a deal done and mm. finally we are very near the finishing line. So it's going to come down to the Samcorp EGM to just get the papers lined up. And then, as Dan mentioned, it will become a combined entity for mm. both companies. Mm. Excellent. A very friendly start to the week with both Ryan and Dan agreeing that both of those stocks are on the way up. Listeners, what did you think? That's all the time we have for Market View today. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Ryan. Listeners, keep it here with us. Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg. Or download our audio app, that's A-W-E-D-I-O, available on Google Play or the App Store.